Hey, let's pray real quick, and then Miss Ashton, she's going to come up and give the message for us tonight. God, uh, we just thank you for this night. God, I thank you that uh, we can take just a few minutes to worship you, uh, but to be intentional, God, and just dive deeper into your word. God, as Ashton comes up tonight and gives the message, I pray that you would just speak through her. God, I pray that you would use her to speak to these students exactly how they need to hear your voice tonight. God, I pray that we would listen, that we would take to heart everything that she says, and that we would not leave here the same as we walked in. But God, that you would challenge us and we would receive your Holy Spirit tonight. God, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good. Hey, Journey Middle School. How's it going? guys have the energy tonight. If we haven't met, like Nathan said, my name is Ashton Hubbard, and I work over at our Highlands Ranch location. Yes, come check it out. Small plug. Okay. Like Nathan said, if you don't have your notes tonight, you want to grab some of these. We'll be continuing our series on red flags, and before we dive in, I want to preface a little of what I'm going to say. We'll be talking about friendship, and as I've been reflecting and asking the Lord what he has for you middle schoolers, I have felt just so burdened because when I was in middle school, friendships were the hardest part. When I was in eighth grade, I was so excited to get to high school just so I can try, could try to make new friends. And so I want to preface this by letting you know that it's okay if your friendships are challenging, and it's also okay if your friendships are changing. I think sometimes we get this idea that our friends have to stay the same our whole lives. Maybe you see on social media people who have been friends since they were born. Or maybe watching movies, people who grew up together and now they have babies and families and they're best friends. Well, in my life, that has not been the case. And I want you to know if that is you too, that is okay. And the other thing I want you to know is that I am not here to tell you who you can and cannot be friends with. I'm here to give you guidelines because there's levels of friendship. There's some friendship that needs healthy boundaries, right? There's some friendships who are going to stand next to you and cheer you on, and they deserve a strong, loud voice in your life. And so I wanted to give you those two two little side notes before we jumped into the message. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to come and share what you have been putting on my heart to these middle schoolers, Lord. I just, uh, we just come before you and we say that we know friendships can be challenging. We know friendships can be all over the place. Some, some in this room might have wonderful, amazing friendships, Lord. Some might have really challenging friendships. And so we just ask that you meet each of us where we are, Lord. Give us something that we can walk away with to make ourselves better friends, to help us find better friends, Lord. We trust you. We give this night to you. In your name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke 5. You can also follow along on the screen or in your notes. And a little context about what is happening in Luke 5. So we'll be in Luke 5, 18. And just a few verses before, this is what it says. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers from the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. 
And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And so we get this image, right? People from three different towns are coming to see Jesus. They obviously know who he is and they want to encounter his healing powers. And so they are eager, they're ready. And so then you can follow along in verse 18 with me. And it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. And a little context, when he says your sins are forgiven, what that means is that the man was healed. He was able to walk because of what had happened, because of his encounter with the Lord. And so the first red flag I wanna talk about that you might see in some of your friendships is selfishness. And what I mean is that maybe you have friends who put their own desires and needs before your own. Maybe they're, they're the first ones to get into the lunch line every single time. If there was one thing left, they would take it before you. If we put it in the context of what's happening in Luke 5, a selfish person, the two men who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, if they were selfish, they would have gone to him first, right? We all need healing in some way. We all could use an encounter with the Lord in some way. So I don't think the two men were lacking healing. Maybe they didn't need physical healing, but I'm sure there was an emotional or spiritual healing they needed. And so if they were selfish, they would have ran to Jesus, fought through the crowds for themselves, said, Jesus, heal me. And then maybe a couple hours, they would have remembered their friend who wouldn't be able to walk to Jesus. Or maybe a couple days later, they'd be like, oh yeah, we should bring our friend. And so you probably can think of a friend in your life who's been selfish. But the truth is the friends in this scripture, it says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And so when we see in verse 20, Jesus says he saw their faith, which means he saw the faith of the two men, not of the paralyzed man. That's my hope for you tonight, middle schoolers, is that you have friends who are willing to cut a hole in a roof and lower you through the ceiling so you can have an encounter with Jesus. And the truth that we get to hold on to is that our friends have to be willing to help us get to Jesus first. And so it leads me to the next red flag that we might see in some of our friendships. And this is the red flag of control. And I don't mean, what I mean when I say control is, is a friend who's controlling their own lives. Maybe they're the ones who are determining every step they take. They never ask the Lord which direction they should go. They never ask the Lord what's next. Instead, again, continuing in the selfishness, they're always doing what they think is best for themselves. We have this saying here at church and, and we say, who you give a seat to at your table matters. 
And so I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have friends who aren't Christians. I think actually we're called to be friends to people who don't believe, right? We're, we're called to be witnesses of who Jesus is in our life. But what I am saying is that who you give a seat at your table matters. And if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to help you know Jesus, right? If you think about your kitchen table, you probably have four, six, or eight seats. And so you get four seats at your table of people who are going to have the, the loudest, most empowering voice in your life. And so the truth that I want you to hold on to when it comes to control is that the friends we give a seat at our table have to know Jesus and know that he is the only one who is in control of our lives. Again, if we go back to Luke 5 and we put this into context of the passage, if the men didn't know Jesus, if they didn't know the healing power that he had, they would have never even thought to bring the paralyzed man to him. He would have came into town and they wouldn't have believed what he could do and they would have left their friend just as he is. But instead they knew who Jesus was and they were willing to let him have an encounter with him that changed his life forever. He walked out of that house. That's my hope for you, middle schoolers, is that you have a friend who's willing to put their needs behind themselves, who knows and loves Jesus so much that they're willing to to cut a hole in the roof so that you can encounter the Lord. The next passage I want us to read is in 1 Corinthians 12. And this passage is really, really special to me. And I'll, I'll give you a little context after, after we read it. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 27. And it says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less are important. We treat with special honor. But God has put together all the parts of the body and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And so this passage really came to life for me a couple of years ago. I was home from college just for like the weekend before the semester started and my mom was sick. And I don't know if your moms are like this, but my mom doesn't really ever get sick. If she doesn't feel good, maybe she'll make a comment and then just puts it behind her. But my mom was sick enough that she wanted to go to urgent care. And so we drove her to urgent care and the doctor sent her to the emergency room. And so we just sat in the emergency room for a while waiting to hear what the doctor had to say was wrong with her. And he came back and he told her that she had a, col a hole in her colon the size of a nickel. And without getting into too much detail, what that means is her body was filled with a lot of bad things. It was causing a lot of pain. And the doctor said that if we had waited any longer, she might not be alive. So it, it was a very serious thing. And, and so they took her into surgery almost immediately. And at the time we were in COVID. And so I was the only one who could be with her. They only allowed one person a day. And she came out of surgery and, and it was the best case scenario. They had removed a couple inches of her colon and sewed it back together. 
But this verse came to life for me when I watched her body start to heal. And so we were in the hospital for about a week, day out, and I just sat with her playing games, watching movies, trying to pass time. The doctor would come in about once a day and around day three, he came in and he just was amazed at how quick her body was healing. And I knew my mom was healthy. It didn't make sense that this had happened to her. She worked out every day. She ate good. She drank a lot of water. So I knew her body was healthy. And I realized that because her colon was sick, the rest of her body had to heal the colon, right? The rest of her body had to be healthy enough to heal her colon. And so if you're not getting the picture yet, I'm talking about friendships. Jesus says that we are the body of Christ. We all have a a part to play in that body. When one is sick, it's our job as friends to come alongside that sick piece and help it get better and help it heal. I think sometimes in our lives, we think friendships have to be perfect. As I've been reflecting on my middle school friendships, I remember just feeling so much pressure, like there could never be any drama. I could never make a mistake. I could never do anything wrong because if I did, I would lose my friends. And Jesus actually says right here that that's the opposite. He said, there should be no division in the body If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. He knows that we're gonna make mistakes. He knows that we're gonna fail in friendship. There's gonna be times where we act selfish and we have to tell our friends and apologize and ask for repentance, right? It's the job of our friends to come alongside us and say, I am willing to help you get back to being healthy. And so the next red flag that I want us to talk about is the red flag of comparison. We probably all have either compared ourselves to someone or had someone compare themselves to us, right? And when we put it in the context of this verse, if the heart of my mom's body started to try to act like her lungs, her colon wouldn't get better because the heart wasn't designed to be her lungs, If her fingers started acting like her toes, her body would be all out of whack, right? The colon wouldn't heal the way it needed to because the parts of the body weren't working in the gifts God designed them for. The parts of the body wouldn't be working the way Jesus wanted them to. And so the same is true for our lives. If you have a friend who is comparing themselves to you, who wants to act just like you, do everything that you do, eat the same foods as you, they're no longer working in the giftings that the Lord has designed them for. They're trying to work in your giftings. But Jesus talks about in this verse, the importance that each one of us is a part of the body. It doesn't say we all make up an individual body. We each have a role to play. And so the truth that we need to look for in our friendships is that our friends have to be strong in their identity and help us in ours. And then the last red flag I wanna talk about tonight is the red flag of critic or being critical. And when I was preparing for this message, I had posted on my Instagram just to get some feedback from my friends. What are some red flags that they see in their friendships? And over and over again, I heard 
people say a huge red flag in friendship is when someone tears down your character. When someone is kind of like that, like nagging feeling on your shoulder, they're just always whispering bad things like, Ashton, you can't do this. You're not smart enough. You messed up when you did this. That's what I mean when I say a red flag of being critical. And the truth is we have to have friends that champion us on, that will stand next to us and fight for our character. Some of you might know my fiance, Sam. So we have been together for three years. And when I think about the message of friendship, he's my best friend. He'll be my best friend forever, hopefully. And we're getting married in a couple of months. And this, this, let me tell you, does not mean we have a perfect friendship. There have been plenty of times he can vouch for that I have made mistakes, that I have messed up, some that affect him and some that don't. And every time that these mistakes happen, he has the choice. He can stand next to me and say, Ashton, you really messed up. I can't believe you did that. Maybe in your life, for example, you cheated on a test and you have a friend who's like, you cheated on that test. If we're being honest, we already know, right? We're already critical of ourselves. We don't need a friend standing next to us reminding us of the mistakes we've made. Instead, Sam stands next to me. He chooses to stand next to me and remind me who I am. He says, Ashton, you are loved. You're covered by God's grace. I know you made a mistake, but it's okay. That's my hope for your friendship, students, is that you have people you can be yourself around. You can make mistakes around. You can get sick like my mom's colon, but your friends are there fighting for your character, saying, I know who you are. I know who God made you to be. And as your friend, I'm gonna stand next to you and fight with you in that. And so as I close, I want to to reemphasize, I am not here to tell you who your friends should and shouldn't be. I have a guideline here to lay out because maybe for some of you, you're in a season where you don't feel like you have any friends. You feel lost, you feel confused. And so you can take these truths, these four truths, and start to look for friends. What better place to look for these type of friends than right here at church, right? Or maybe for some of you, you have a ton of friends and you need to go through some red flags. And and maybe if some of your friends have red flags, I'm not saying don't be their friends. I'm saying maybe they shouldn't have a seat at your table. Maybe their voice isn't the one you should listen to. You need to find a friend who's gonna stand next to you and say, I know who Jesus is and I know who you are and together we're gonna figure this out. And so... As I've just been praying for you middle schoolers, I know it can, be, can feel overwhelming. It can feel daunting, maybe at times frustrating. But if we remember these four things, our friends are the ones who are going to help us get to Jesus first. They're gonna lower us through the roof so that we can have an encounter that changes our life. They're the ones who know Jesus and know that he's the only one in control. They're always gonna point us back to remind us who he is. They're strong in their identity and they're willing to help us fight for ours. The days that you mess up, the days that you fall sick, these friends are gonna stand next to you. And finally, the friends 
you that are going to be at your table are the ones who are going to champion you on in, in your worst days and in your best days. They're going to stand next to you and say, Ashton, I know who you are. You've got this. I know you can do this. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for these middle schoolers. I know it can just feel so overwhelming sometimes to, to think about friends, to navigate navigate those conversations, those decisions, Lord. Um, I just pray as these middle schoolers go home tonight, spend the week maybe reflecting on some friendships, Lord, that you guide them, that you lead them, that you place friends in their life who know you, who love you, and who are willing to fight for them, to fight alongside their character, Lord. We give you all of this. In your name we pray. Amen.